Hello and welcome to another episode of Perp Take. I am Ethan Spizarski, and today I am joined by a man who has been involved in sports directing and broadcasting for a good bit of years now. He is a seventh-year member of the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast team on 105.9 The X. Mr. Josh Getzoff, hello, how are you? Ethan, thanks for having me on. How are you? I, I'm just dandy today, thank you. Um... So just to get, we'll kick it off right here. Um, so it says uh, on your bio, you were, uh, you worked in Elmira and Champagne. Uh, what was it like or what helped you decide to come from there all the way over here to Pittsburgh and broadcast for the Penguins? Well, I, so I originally actually am from Pennsylvania. I'm from outside of Philly uh, originally. Um, so I always had a a hope in my life that I would get to come back to PA in one way or another and get a chance to work here. But I initially, um, you know, started in Elmira, as you mentioned, based on my first, which came to me while I was in college, not too far from there at Ithaca College in uh, central New York, um, and was able to get a job there, you know, upon graduation for a couple of seasons, really, uh, you know, kind of grinded my teeth and was able to learn the ins and outs of the business and make some mistakes when not a whole lot of people were watching and not a whole lot of people were able to see in a smaller market. Uh, and then from there, I was able to transition to a bigger stage in Champaign, um, covering the University of Illinois, fighting Illini and the Big Ten uh, pretty heavily, doing some Chicago sports stuff as well, covered the Blackhawks Stanley Cup run in 2015, um, stuff of that nature. So I was, uh, you know, I was certainly uh, lucky to have two great opportunities to help to mold me, but I always had my eye on hockey uh, and always tried to find my way back into the sport, which is, it's hard. I mean, it's a small community. It's a, it's a tight knit community and you have to kind of break your way through. And I was fortunate enough when the Penguins posted an opportunity back in the summer of 2015 uh, to not only be able to have a chance to interview for that job, but also to get the offer for it. Um, so that kind of started my time here in Pittsburgh, brought me back to my home state, uh, and, uh, been here ever since, as you mentioned. Uh, did you start out in like Wilkes-Barre or how did, what role did you, were you given or how did that all start up? So I started in, I started here in Pittsburgh. I was originally the, uh, pregame postgame and intermission host on the radio side for the Penguins. So, um, yeah, pretty self-explanatory with that title. And then I also would do uh, the video board and any kind of Penn's TV programming that was needed of me as far as on-camera stuff as well. So uh, pretty much, you know, a jack-of-all-trades kind of position, but a fun position and one that I was able to grow in and uh, start to, you know, build my, I guess, rapport with Penguins fans in from the very beginning. Uh, do you, have you always like when you were like little and growing up, has this always been the goal of being sports broadcaster? Did I know you mentioned before you uh, always wanted to commentate with hockey. It's been your sport, which I admire very much. Uh, has it always been the plan? Has this how, has this everything gone out as planned or? Yeah, this is, this has been my hope and my plans from, you know, really the get go. And I've been, I've been so lucky and fortunate that I've been able to be given this opportunity, but to answer your question, yeah, really from around the age of 11 and 12, like I've, I've said to people that 
I grew up playing hockey. Um, I played up until my sophomore year of college. And when I was younger, a lot of my friends uh, were being asked to play on tournament teams and being asked to try out for select teams. And I wasn't being asked to do any of those things. So I, uh, I kind of realized pretty quickly that I wasn't going to necessarily make a career playing hockey. But if I could make a career covering hockey, that would be a pretty good runner up. Um, so I, I kind of set my sights on that, uh, un- understanding that it wasn't going to be as simple as just walking into a hockey rink and working for a team. And I learned that through the steps that I took in, in Illinois and in uh, Elmira, get myself you know, in the position to become a better broadcaster, become a better on-air personality and just grow as a person uh, through, you know, life experiences in those two places as well. So um, it, it's been a it's been a different road than many of my peers throughout the league, um, but it's one that I'm proud of. And I'm, I'm, you know, as I mentioned, very fortunate and lucky to be where I am right now. So as you mentioned before, pregame, intermission, postgame, com, commentator, which is, I mean, it's a very good role. It's good to start out. It's nice to you know, get your feet, you know, dip in the water a little bit. But now you have been given a heavy task and one that I think personally, I think you've been doing a great job so far, but you're filling in for the shoes for the Mike Lang, 47 years on air, extremely loved in Pittsburgh. And it's very, very, he seems to be a very cool guy. Never met him, but he's very, he seems very cool and likable. What's it like to, how's your feeling, you know, you're filling in for these shoes that he's, that his pretty big shoes, actually. So what's that like? How are you feeling? Are you enjoying it? Expectations? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been unbelievable first to get to know Mike and learn from him in the years preceding this one um, and continue to talk to him and learn from him. In fact, I was just talking with him today before I talked to you. So uh, we have a pretty close relationship. He's, uh, you know, a mentor to me, a guy that's taught me so much and continues to teach me so much, um, you know, just on the air, off the air, building relationships with players, everything like that, that he's been so helpful with me with. And um, I thank, I can't thank him enough, but you know, it's, it's funny because a a few people have asked me what you just did. And and I'll say the same thing to you that I said to them is that I've never really approached this as filling Mike's shoes. Like I'm, I'm extremely, respectful of him who he is what he's accomplished uh i am in all of the career that he's had as you mentioned all those years behind the mic uh the the legendary calls that he's had what he's meant to the city of pittsburgh the penguins and the national hockey league and pro sports in general i'm very aware and cognizant of all that but i've never taken the approach of trying to fill his shoes because i honestly feel like that that is an impossible mindset to have because of all those reasons i just mentioned I mean, there's only one Mike Lang. You're not going to be the next Mike Lang. You're not going to fill his shoes. What I've tried to do from the get-go, from when I first started filling in for him a few years ago and now ultimately taking over this year as the full-time guy, is to just try to stand tall enough to fill my own shoes. And I feel like you know, I'm, I'm given an opportunity with Phil Bork, who I'm very close with uh, and have a good relationship with, to call games on a consistent basis with him over the last couple of years and build our on-air rapport even further. And then obviously our broadcast team in the booth as well, our engineers, our, our producers that I get to work with and I'm very familiar with and have good relationships with. They put me in a good position to do that, to fill my own shoes. So um, I, I really am lucky to have a good group of people around me, but that's the mindset that I take personally. I'm never going to, you know, I, and Mike, Mike and I have spoken about this, like, 
I'm never going to take the approach of opening a broadcast with it's a hockey night in Pittsburgh because I don't think that's, I mean, people can look at that one way or another, but to me, I don't necessarily look at that as a respectful thing. I look at that as that's Mike's line and I'm not taking Mike's line. Like I'm not going to be that. Um, and his lines will live on forever and they will for sure. But uh, they won't be things that I've said. And he's actually kind of hoped that that would be the case in the conversations that we've had leading up to the season and since it has started. So, um, you know, there's such a good relationship between the two of us. And like I said, we're still very much in contact, even though he's retired now. And uh, it was great to see him on Tuesday night at the the Mike Lang night. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to carving my own path here in the years to come. I can tell you, um, one, you and uh, the old two nine, you do sound, you guys have a good chemistry, it seems like, when you're on there. And just like Mike did with them, I think you all three have a lot in common that you're able to really put together a good presence and really help the viewers understand that when they can't see the game and they're listening, do I really understand what's going on? I was there Tuesday. I can tell you it was weird because Mike was, he was in the deck below us, but he was kind of off more to the right. Uh, it was really cool to be in his presence, but it was also cool to see the tributes and the videos. I thought that was really well put together by the Pens, and overall, I really enjoyed my the first game of the year. Hopefully, I'll be there more. Uh, but speaking of which, let's get to the Penguins. Let's talk some Pittsburgh Penguins. So, something I feel that I mentioned earlier, I just read, uh, wrote a column on the Penguins' start to the season, which I've liked, but I kind of start off about you know, mentioning John Marino, Brock McGinn, you know, kind of like being these two guys that have really started, you know, getting a good head start on the season that it's nice to see that they're producing points. Uh, is there anybody in your mind who's kind of an underdog or maybe someone not everyone's paying attention to that's been really good or you've been hearing really good things about? Uh, I would say John Marino's partner has been really good. Marcus Pedersen. I, I feel like, you know, in calling the games, the first few games that, there were a lot of times last year, Ethan, where we were calling games and Borky and I would kind of look at each other and shake our heads at some of the defensive mistakes that Pedersen went, and, and Marino, for that matter, would make as they both kind of regressed last year. But they've had strong starts to this season, and that pairing has been really good for the Penguins. Um, and Pedersen, I think, has just been solid defensively. He's always had a really good stick. But for being a lanky guy, he's utilized his body fairly well, I feel like, in these first few games. He's had some really strong plays in his own end to break up opportunities for opposing teams. And I think that when you look at that pairing, it's actually kind of funny because um, going into opening night, those two were not going to be together. Mike Matheson, the morning skate in Tampa Bay, I was there watching, took the first round of reps uh, alongside John Marino, and Marcus Pedersen was with Chad Ruedel. And then Matheson left the ice and had that lower body injury that kept him out until Tuesday night against Dallas. Uh, and as a result of that, Mike Sullivan shuffled things quickly and reunited uh, Pedersen and Marino and then put um, Chad Ruido with Mark Friedman. And in the process, in that reunion of Pedersen and Marino, I think put two guys together that were, you know, one familiar with each other, two comfortable with each other, but three also on a mission, both of them. So, uh, to answer your question, I feel like Pedersen is a guy uh, who's definitely stood out to me as having a strong start to this year. And I'll go right back behind him. Tristan Jari, I think, has been phenomenal to start this season for the Penguins. And let's be honest, he needed to be uh, after how last season ended. Uh, there were going to be a lot of eyes on him and a lot of people questioning what he could do. 
Uh, and, you know, he's, I believe, seen 77 shots through his first three starts. He's stopped 72 of them, and he's yeah. got the Penguins five out of a possible six points. So uh, he's been very good, including that opening night performance against the world's best goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky, and then back-to-back defending champion Lightning. So uh, I, I feel like those two guys, to me, at least on the defensive side of things, which was a big thing of emphasis for the Penguins coming into this year based on who they were missing to start it, they've jumped out to me for sure. I I um I believe it was five goals in three games. Very good. Ninety four percent is the technical. Ninety three and a half technically ninety four if you want to be fancy. But I agree. I really like Jari as well. Um. So kind of mentioning, kind of going off of that, uh, Jari and Carter. Carter has coded or COVID. Excuse me. He has been asymptomatic according to Mike Sullivan. That's what he's heard. And um. But luckily, Jari had a false positive, so he probably won't be out as long as, as expected. Uh, we're still has to follow protocol. So what do you think uh, – how do you think the Penn should handle this without Jeff Carter and already without Malkin and Crosby, two really good offensive starters, and without Brian Rust as well, who's on IR? Yeah, I mean, you list those names, Ethan, and it's almost kind of laughable. But at this point, we're, we're numb to it, right? Like, we're, we're used to this with the Penguins. They're always missing somebody. It never seems like we can have all our toys in the toy chest at the same time. Um, but when you look at this team, uh, really how it shakes out is you're going to have some serious opportunity. And the question is whether or not some of these guys are able to take advantage of it. And you talk about opportunity. I mean, Okay, Danton Heinen's taken advantage of his opportunity for sure in the first few games of the season with three goals skating with Jeff Carter and uh, first Brian Rust, then Jake Gensel when Brian Rust went down. Um, But, I mean, the opportunity now falls to guys like Evan Rodriguez, who's going to center that top line tomorrow night with Jake Gensel and um, Kasperi Kapanen. And speaking of, Kasperi Kapanen is another guy. I mean, he's goalless through the first four games. I actually talked to him today a little bit about facing the Leafs for the first time since that trade. Uh, And he's, you know, he's obviously juiced up and ready to go for that game. But also, I think he realizes the situation in front of him here that, you know, this is where when you start to go down the order and you're missing the guys the Penguins are missing, this is where you look around and you say, okay, who's going to be the guy who takes that step forward and steps up for us? And to me, Kapanen's at the top of my list of guys needing to do that for the Penguins because really when you look at the forwards and you think about who's in there right now, Jake Gensel's their top forward. No question about that. Now, who's their second? Probably Kapanen as far as skill set when you just look at the group uh, as far as the healthy players available. So um, I, I think that, in my opinion, he has a bigger microscope on him now and we'll need to see if he can handle it and perform uh, accordingly in the absence of some of those names that you mentioned. But uh, I thought Jason Zucker had a, had a strong game against Dallas needs some more of that. And then obviously the production to follow uh, um, from Zucker as well. But I think this is going to be a, a team that, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word ragtag because it's a lot of, you know, bonafide NHL players, but it's, it's a mishmash as far as how Mike Sullivan's combining his lines. But listen, you know, as well as I, Ethan, you've watched this team for a long time. Like this is when Mike Sullivan does his best work. When some of these big guns are out of the lineup, he's able to motivate, he's able to coach these guys up and they have success as evidenced by the fact that they're two Oh and two without many of those players you just mentioned to start this season. So um, I, I'm not saying they're going to go out and beat the Maple Leafs on Saturday night who are a, damn good team and have a lot of firepower offensively but Mm -hmm. 
I'm not saying that they won't either and uh, that they can't reel off a couple more victories before a potential return of Sidney Crosby. So um, I wouldn't put anything past them, honestly, with how they perform without some of these big guys. But certainly it becomes a tall task as the more games go by and the more bodies you start to lose. I like a lot of what you said there. I mean, ironically enough, I think it's funny that we don't have a lot of the toys for like that we put back in the chest because usually you're right a lot of guys or a few guys were missing a few pieces of our puzzle but and I really do like how the Penguins have been able to start out and get six points because in recent history if, if I'm not wrong the Pens haven't always gotten out to the best start to the season as they have like right now and I think especially with a division that's getting better and better each year I think that's good to see that uh, and hopefully we can see like you said um, mentioned Kapanen I understand uh, the Penguins released stuff on Twitter like 20 minutes ago. He was talking to Mike Sullivan was talking to Captain. Like he thinks he's been doing really good, had a really good training camp, and he's excited, ready to see him step up, make some more plays. Uh, you mentioned Evan Rodriguez starting on that first line. That's going to be important. He's really stepped up to a good leadership role, and he's handled this, you know, challenge very well. Uh, kind of speaking, something you said as well. You used to talk about opportunity. Do you see? Anyone down to Wilkes-Barre, maybe who's been fitting with the team or maybe could, you know, if needed, call upon while we're going through this injury surplus? Um, I think that there are a couple guys that come to mind, and they're probably the obvious choice just as far as, like, the forward group is concerned. I mean, you talk about some of the younger names like Sam Poulin and, and Nathan Legare um, are, are two of the first couple that come to mind. And I would say those are probably going to be two of the first couple that get that get the tap to come up here and, and play if the Penguins do get, uh, you know, more decimated up front. Because if you're Mike Sullivan, if you're Ron Hextall, you have to remember the kind of guy that you're going to call up has to fill the kind of need that you need in your roster. And if they're so say, you know, they get they do get Brian Russ back, say they get Sidney Crosby back, but then a guy in the bottom six goes down. I'm not so sure that calling up Sam Poulan to play nine minutes a night is your best move there. You might be looking at a different kind of player from Wilkes-Barre in that situation to come up and, and service you as a third-line, fourth-line type player. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to come up and has a, a scoring touch, those are the kind of guys that you have in mind. So um, I wouldn't say there's anyone in particular um, because, quite honestly, I mean, when you look back at the preseason – and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ethan, but I, I remember, you know, being really excited to see a lot of these guys because we didn't really get a full we, we didn't get a preseason at all last year. And two years ago, uh, some of them weren't necessarily, you know, given a, a real long look because of how the Penguins roster looked. But then you came into this year and you're like, OK, there are some spots up for grabs. Let's see what these young guys have. And I just didn't feel like that any of them really blew us away off the paper for what they were able to do on a game to game basis. And that's fine because they're young and they're going to get seasoning in Wilkes-Barre. And we've seen what that's done for Drew O'Connor, just one season down there, how much different of a player he looks like this year. Um, but at that sense, in that sense, I don't necessarily look at any of those guys and say, Oh, I remember from training camp, that guy had a lot of, you know, a lot of gumption to his game, a lot of offensive ability that I want to see, you know, put on display in the NHL. I do think those will be some of the first names you hear called up. But I wouldn't say that anyone really put themselves at the top of the list, so to speak, from the preseason play. I can tell you, it, he's not young by any stretch, but a guy I was excited to see, Brian Boyle. I really like the big body. He's a physical guy, which I kind of think the Pens need more physicality. That's kind of my own personal thing. I think we get hit around a lot, and we need someone to come in and 
you know, maybe be a little more physical with it. But uh, O'Connor also, like you mentioned, is off to a good start. He has three points in the first four games. So one season down in Wilkes-Barre, you come up and you play, you get three points in four games. That's that's not a bad start by any stretch. Uh, I kind of mentioned before, uh, you know, the division coming up or rising with talent-wise, kind of like with the Steelers and the AFC North. The division that the Pens are in right now is getting pretty good. Uh, who do you think? Who do you think right now is the biggest threat, new threat, uh, at ruining potentially ruining that fifteen-year streak of heading the playoffs? Well, I still think the Penguins are a team that will get into the picture this year. You know, bias aside, I think they they definitely still have a, a capable playoff team. But if you're looking at the division, I mean, I, I think that the top dog in the division, in my opinion, is the Carolina Hurricanes. I just think that they have a great balance and great mix on their roster. I love Rod Brindamore as a head coach. Um, and you know, listen, they, they ran into Tampa Bay last year in the second round and Tampa Bay, as we know, was kind of a juggernaut. So you wonder if things were different, what would have happened for them, um, after they won the division in the regular season too, in that central division. So, um, there, I think they're, you know, probably one a, I think the Islanders are probably one B, uh, for reasons we know all too well here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking behind the Penguins and you're wondering about teams that might jump up the standings, I'm still not as high on the New York Rangers as a lot of people are. I just don't feel like they have enough um, on the defensive side of the game to ultimately become a playoff team. I think they can score their way into the picture, but they can't stay there uh, unless they stabilize their defensive game. Gerard Gallant will help with that, uh, but he's not going to, I don't think, you know, I just don't think they have quite enough of the mix on the defensive side of their game. And I mean that from their forwards too. Um, They just don't have enough. I don't think to be totally in the playoff picture yet, but they will be a tough team to beat because of the fact that they're going to be really tough to shut down offensively with the talent they have up front. Um, So I can understand why a lot of people feel like they're, you know, close, if not there in the playoff picture. Um, The team that I would be, you know, most interested to see if they, if they move up the standings actually is the Philadelphia Flyers Um, because people look at their off season and some people kind of, you know, raise their eyebrow at it, but they went out and they got a a top pair defenseman in Ryan Ellis. They went out and they got a bruiser in Rasmus Ristolainen. They, I I don't know if you say they upgraded their backup goaltending situation, but they kind of kept it along the same lines with bringing in Martin Jones um, who obviously the Penguins know was you know pretty good in getting the Sharks to a Stanley Cup final in 2016. Um, and, you know, they go out and get Cam Atkinson, who's looked like a great bargain deal for them for Jake Voracek early in the season. They signed Derek Broussard. They bring in Keith Yandel. Like, a lot of veterans, a lot of older mm-hmm. guys, definitely. Um, so that's why when I look at the Flyers, I say, okay, let's see them in 2025 games and see where they're at. Uh, but I do think that they had a pretty productive offseason. And they're obviously banking on the fact that Carter Hart is going to bounce back and have himself a good year. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Um, and that's a team that I feel like might move themselves back into the situation of the playoffs. So then as a result of that, it becomes who gets bumped out of it. So uh, that, that'll be interesting to watch as the year goes along. But um, that would be my team that I would say, you know, as far as the group that was not a part of the playoff picture last year, I'd, I'd watch out for the Flyers to climb the standings a bit more this year. You read my mind. Well, my, if I had to pick two people in this division right now, I would say have the biggest chance it would be Carolina, and I did say the Flyers. I think the surprise team uh, are the Blue Jackets kind of coming back after a little bit of a stumble last year. 
I, I mean, I saw Jacob Voracek down there whenever um, the other day, whenever the Blue Jackets played at home. They're three home wins already this season. Patrick Line, two overtime winning goals. I think that's important to mention as well. Bomb, but I'm, I'm very excited. I agree. I like that. I think the Pens will make the playoffs again as of right now. I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, and final question before we wrap it up here today. It's a little bit of an awkward question. Uh, if you don't answer it, it's okay. But how would you handle – how do you handle the Jari Dismiss situation? Do you let him fight out for it? Do you give 80% of the games to Jari, 20% to Dismiss, see how it works? What would you do? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's an awkward question, but I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you asking me. I mean, I, I, I think that <clears> – excuse me. When you look at Tristan Jari – like the guy won 25 games last year. He was top five in the league in wins, um, you know, a, sh- a shade behind Marc-Andre Fleury who ends up winning the Vesna. I'm not saying he was a Vesna candidate by any stretch, but he was really good. And he was a big reason the Penguins won what was the best division in hockey last year in the Eastern division. Um, the playoffs were, I mean, this particularly games five and six were a disaster for him. I mean, there's no, we're not going to sit here and then paint any other kind of picture, but, I've kind of been in the Jari camp in the sense that, you know, being around him, talking to him, knowing him fairly well, um, he's not necessarily as rattled as he looked to be after that season ended last year on Long Island. Um, I think he kind of came in this year with a fresh focus. He's got a great voice in his ear and new coach in the goaltending front, Nandy Kyoto, who takes a, a vastly different approach to coaching the position than Mike Buckley. Kyoto does more of a, um, I mean, he teaches the, the, you know, the fundamental aspects, but he's much more of a psychological approach and working between the ears, which I think benefits a, a young guy in Tristan who's only 26. Um, Mike Buckley was more of an on ice type of coach, which I mean is fine, but the positions evolved as a goaltender. You, you almost need a part goalie coach, part psychologist with how, you know, different difficult it can be. And, I think that uh, that helps in a big way. But, uh, you know, to answer your question, I mean, we've seen Tristan start three of the first four games this year. I would think that's probably a lot to ask in an 82-game series season if you stay on that kind of a, uh, you know, ratio. But I could see a, a 65-35 or even a 60-40 between the two of them uh, as this season goes along. Casey's a very capable goaltender, too. And I know Mike Sullivan has zero uh, worry in putting him on the ice and, and feeling like he's going to get a great game from Casey. So uh, I, I think that the Penguins, I'm not saying that they're set on their goaltenders and that they're going to be you know ready to ride it out regardless of what happens. I think, you know, as, as the blips of the season go along, you'll adapt and adjust. But where they're at right now, they feel confident that these two are going to be not a part of the problem, but a part of like the, the movement forward uh, for this team here throughout this season and probably beyond. I I very I, I like that take there. I think what the how the Penguins handled it last year was pretty well. You know, with mixing into Smith occasionally, putting in Jari, Jari going twenty five and nine in the regular season. I mean, for first for the first time being a starting goaltender, I think that's great. I remember seeing Jari. I think for the first time, I believe he was in Calgary. Um, I I really did. I liked watching those games. I thought I think he's done. Uh, I think he's had good progression. Um, that but. Being over there in Long Island, it was definitely tough. Uh, as with the Islanders team as well, they're good. And then with the fans adding that to the mix, I think that 
provides a good bit as well. But I'm excited to see what he does this year when he comes back. Uh, I'm, I hope he continues to do good. This is dismissed time. I hope he also produces good numbers tomorrow. Uh, well, that's going to actually wrap it up here. Uh, Mr. Getzoff, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, 105.90X, listen to the Pens games on there. Josh Getzoff, old 2-9er, Fulborg, great commenting, commentating duo. Uh, definitely worth listening. Uh, thank you again for coming out, and uh, let's go Pens. Ethan, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. We'll be right back.